Hello, and welcome once again to Sinister Ideas, the podcast by the left-handed writer. Um, as hopefully you read in the description, there's nothing nefarious here going on at Sinister Ideas. Sinister simply comes from the Latin for from the left. And since I am the left-handed writer, I thought that was kind of a clever take on a name. So, uh, you're free to agree or disagree on how clever that is, but... In this episode, I wanted to focus a little bit on creativity, um, and specifically creativity as it pertains to marketing and advertising. In this frame of reference, um, creativity takes on a slightly different meaning to it than when people think about artistic creativity. And it's not really a different thing entirely, but the distinction is that in the marketing and advertising realm, creativity has a specific purpose. And that purpose is not to create high art or um, arguably to move people emotionally, although that is part of it, because we do want to move them to take a specific action on behalf of you, the client, or whoever, whomever. But the biggest difference here is a lot of times when people think about artistic creativity, there is a mystical quality to it where the artist is struck by inspiration and works feverishly um, to bring that vision to life. There's an otherworldly connotation to it a lot of times where you're channeling some uh, unseen force that's trying to speak through you. And let me start off with a story because before I actually got into marketing and advertising, um, I had had a career in hotel management and corporate training for a while. But on the side, as a hobby, I was a writer. I wrote poetry, short stories, that sort of thing. And my view on creativity was exactly that, where the artist uh, is struck by an idea, and there's an element of sort of spontaneous uh, generation that happens with the idea when it's born, And then you craft that idea into something uh, that is suitable for your audience because it expresses a part of you. Um, And for me, that is a lot of what creativity and writing in particular embodied. When I moved from the management and corporate training world into marketing, I purposefully made it a point to leave my ego at the door because I knew that I wasn't creating high art. I was not writing the great American novel. Um, yeah, this wasn't even my art. This was something I was creating on behalf of a client who has paid our agency money, uh, for this particular product. So on that level, I understood that what I was creating, I was creating for a purpose and that purpose was outside of myself. Um, 
So honestly, I didn't have an ego attached to it. I wasn't the kind of person who reacted violently to criticism from other people who didn't understand my genius. Uh, <laughs> there was none of that. Um, but having been an English major in college, um, my view on writing was still uh, firmly rooted in that artistic uh, sensibility. And when I first started with the agency, for probably the first month, month and a half, four to six weeks, uh, everything was just going beautifully. They'd set up projects for me, and I would knock them out of the park every time. Um, And I was doing really well out of the gate. And then one time we had this one project, and I was just having trouble wrapping my brain around it, and I had this massive case of writer's block. And I was sitting there, and I was staring at the blank page, and nothing was coming to me, and it was just brutal. Uh, And towards the end of the day, one day, my uh, boss, the creative director, uh, came in just to check and see how this job was going. Now, my creative director at this agency had been a copywriter himself, so, you know, here he was, a fellow writer, um... You know, here's my opportunity to bond, and we could commiserate over this fact that I had writer's block. And so I said to myself, man, this job is really just kicking my butt. I have the worst case of writer's block. And he kind of cocked his head to the side, and he looked at me, gave it two or three beats, and goes, let me ask you a question. If you had a leak and you hired a plumber, and that plumber came back up in the basement and said, I'm sorry, I can't fix this day. I've got plumber's block. What would you do? Or if your mom was in the hospital and all of a sudden the doctor came out and said, I can't do this operation today. I'm having surgeon's block. How would you respond to that? I, of course, was stunned. I was speechless. I was expecting someone to commiserate and and sympathize with my plight because here I was, an artist, a writer, having writer's block. And he put it squarely in these business-related terms. And he wasn't being mean about it. Um, And to be honest, he was right. Um, But then he looked at me and said, we hired you to do the job. I expect to see something on my desk by the end of the day. And he turned and he walked out. Again, he wasn't being mean. He was just... um, He he may have been a little blunt about it, but to be perfectly honest... It was kind of what I needed, because as he turned and walked out, I thought to myself, holy crap, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Um, but sure enough, by the end of the day, uh, that had given me the information, The I'm sorry, that had given me the motivation I needed to uh, get some ideas down, and you know, they weren't great, but they were good, it was, it was good enough to be a start, and in the end... Uh, we ended up pulling together a project that really did uh, made the client happy. It performed well for them. We were happy with it. Uh, did end up winning awards, um, and we'll talk more about war- awards on a uh, another episode. I've got my own unique views on those. Um, I don't tend to fall in the camp where a lot of agencies do, where. Um, you know, they kind of downplay the importance of awards because they don't really matter. Um, but we'll talk about that on another episode. Um, 
So yeah, my boss had basically come in, put his foot up my butt in as nice a way as he could possibly do, and it worked. And one thing I did from that point on is I really started digging into um, the psychology and the uh, neurobiology of creativity. And it's a really interesting area. Um, But if you want to learn more about it yourself, I actually recommend the work of a couple people. You have Dr. Edward DeBono, who is a researcher specifically into uh, creativity. He's the one who coined the phrase lateral thinking uh, way back in the 80s or early 90s. And another guy is a gentleman named Doug Hall, who ran a company called Eureka Enterprises. Um, and they're basically a creativity think tank. Um, I also dug into a lot of the work being done by a group called IDEO, which was a, um, you know, they did marketing and uh, product development and all sorts of innovation research um, and work on behalf of uh, corporate clients. So uh, really cool space, really cool, cool story behind their company. But I read loads and loads and loads about this. But um, for a sort of entry-level guide, I recommend those three. Edward DeBono, um, Doug Hall, and uh, look at stuff IDEO has done in the past. Um, And what I discovered there was that... What is probably happening when most people receive what we normally think of as divine creative inspiration is actually the subconscious at work on a problem. And what it does when you're not looking is it will take the idea you're working on and a bunch of unrelated ideas and just smashes them together and sees what happens. And out of all that violence and carnage, Usually, there's something that rises to the surface that just seems sublime. Um, and that's where you're kind of struck with, and it's you're looking something through the lens of something else, or it's got an aspect of something else that applied to this problem, and your subconscious put it together, and then it just held it up for you and said, Here, try this. Um, what that means is that you can actually systematically do the same thing consciously Uh, you take the product whatever the project you're working on the topic the idea you're working on um, write it down write down all of its parts then you come up with three five ten completely unrelated ideas Um, you can go to Wikipedia's uh, entry of the day page, you can, you know, there's endless number of ways. You can look at a photo of the day, write it down, write down the different aspects and facets of that. And then once you have a couple dozen words written on the page, some of them dealing directly with this project and some of them completely unrelated, you just start combining them and see what happens. So here's the problem, and we'll use 
this word that's related to it as a prompt. How many ideas can we come up with? We'll use this word that's related. How many ideas can we come up with? We'll take this word that's unrelated. As, use it as a prompt. How many ideas can we come up with? Um, use that over and over and over and over and over again. Then once you're done with that, you take that list of ideas you have come up with and you combine two or more of those at random. We'll take this idea and this idea and this idea. If we smash those together, what do we come up with? By the end of this exercise, and the, the importance here is you don't judge any of the ideas at this stage. You pick three, three ideas you came up with, you smash them together, you write down as many new ideas as you can come up with. Right? And nothing gets judged, nothing gets thrown away. Once you have all of this raw material, that's the point you go through and start looking with a critical idea. Sort of, okay, here's an idea, what can we make of this? Right? Does it apply? Does it solve the problem? Does it have enough legs to be able to use across different media, different platforms, um, and still accomplish what we want it to accomplish? In this way, you are consciously doing the same thing your subconscious is doing, and to you, it's not going to feel the same. It's not. It's going to feel like work. It's not going to feel like the, um, you know, that sublime idea lifted out of the, you know, lifted aloft by the Lady of the Lake. Um, you know, that divine inspiration. But here's the thing, because it's pretty much the same process. To people who don't see the mechanics behind what it is you're doing. It is going to look the same to them. This weird, out of left field idea that you've come up with that just seems to work brilliantly to the outside observer is going to be virtually indistinguishable to that one that your subconscious held aloft for you to grab hold of and run across the finish line with, to mix metaphors. Um, so, uh, that in a nutshell, is the essence of the creative process that you can execute on demand. Um, as I said, it took me a little while to do this research, but um, you know, and I actually am still digging into it this day just because it's a fascinating topic. But after about two months of this research and figuring out what these pieces are and how they work together... Um, in the ensuing, let's see, we're going into t- from 2020 to 2021 here. So in the ensuing 19 years, I have never suffered from writer's block or creative block. Um, you know, there's sometimes where I still get that inspiration out of left field that I wasn't expecting because my subconscious did it for me. But in the instances where that doesn't happen, I'm able to go through and make things happen for myself. So, um, yeah, so that's the first aspect I wanted to cover on creativity as it relates to marketing and advertising, which is creativity with a purpose. Um, and the, an important piece of that is being able to do that on demand as needed, um, you know, for the job. So, 
I think we'll end this segment here and then I'll come back and I want to talk a little bit specifically about um, directly applying creativity within the confines of a specific job. So hang tight and I'll see you in a minute. All right, and we're back. Um, if you heard the barking in the background before the break, um, once again, I am helping to feed my neighbor's dog while they're out of town. Um, so yeah, so that was Jackson. Um, so I already talked a little bit about the process of creativity on command. Um, next, I want to talk about creativity within the confines of a marketing project. Um, in the agency world, we have what's called a creative brief. Uh, that is where um, the point of contact with the client, usually an account executive or um, some similar uh, individual in the agency, uh, is supposed to sit down and go through the creative brief process with the client. And what this does is supposed to define the scope of the project in terms of um, who is the target, what is it that we want them to do, um, and then if there are any other pertinent information that we need to know, uh, what's the information that they want to put out to the world, um, what are the relevant demographic information we didn't know we need to know in order to persuade a specific person or set of people to take a specific action, because that's ultimately what marketing is. Um, you know, yes, there's, there is branding, and it is important. You do want to imprint your company or your product um, identity onto the brains of your potential customers so that when they do need your product and service, um, you're the first one that comes to mind. Um, I'm not one of those kinds of copywriters that takes issue with branding as a process. There are uh, you know, direct mail, direct marketing uh, writers who do take issue with that, who you know they want to see a hard specific ROI on every piece of marketing information that goes out and to be perfectly honest I mean that has its place it definitely has its place especially if you are um, you know, doing more sales oriented pieces that is an important thing to be able to measure those sort of things um, wow I just said thing like 15 times right then <laughs> um, sorry about that um, but yes, yeah, so that hard codified ROI um, is important. But by the same token, branding is, is important as well because you can't always be there at the exact moment with a um, hard sell call to action piece at the instant that every potential prospect um, has need of a, a product or service that you provide um, so when and where it makes sense uh, branding can be a very useful tool uh, insofar as 
um, you know, making sure you have a present in the mind of the consumer um, well before they actually have need of your product or service. Um, but I did kind of digress there a little bit. Um, so the creative brief one, it helps us determine which which of those two types of projects we have. Is this going to be a branding piece that we're trying to sear the identity of your company or your product or your service into the brain of uh, prospective clients so that they will think of you when they do have need of those? Um, or is this a sales-oriented piece where we're going to target the... the consumer of the ad um, in a place where we're most likely to find them in need of those services or products. Um, But then also, if there are specific aspects to the tone and the feel of um, your overall marketing, we want to make sure that this ad fits within the scope of that. Um, And then there are other things. We've had campaigns where the the client came through, they worked with the AE to fill out the marketing brief or yeah, the creative brief. Um, we have lots of pertinent information. We came through and we did the um, we did the piece. The uh, the contact with the com- with the client company, the client side contact, signed off on all the creative that we did. We produced it, we mocked it up, we had it ready to go to the printer, um, they ran it by the uh, marketing director at this point, and he just gave a big sigh and said, we can't go like this, um, the CEO would never approve this because of this specific color that we used, and he is... He has a resounding hatred for such and such uh, college football team who <laughs> happened to wear those colors. Um, so we kind of had to go back and, you know, the colors we had were chosen to create the mood that fit the piece. So we had to go back and, you know, adjust the color palette on this particular series of, this was a campaign. So it was a series of ads and spots that, um, you know, had to be changed. So that was more time spent on the project, so it was you know, more expense because you know, there was relevant info as you know, whether you agree with its relevance or not. Um, you know, the, the big guy who had to sign off on it would not have signed off on it like that. So um, there are instances when you'll try to go through one of these with a client and they will give one two-word answers um, or they'll give you know, just bare-bone basics and I understand that you want to yeah everybody's time is important everybody's in a rush um, but when you're doing something like this because if you give a your typical artist um, carte blanche creatively speaking, to do whatever they feel led to do. 
um, in order to do this project, um, two things happen. One, an artistically creative person will do just that. They will take off on flights of fantasy um, or you know whatever their particular style that they like. They will dig deep into that and they will... Um, because yeah, every artist does want to express themselves to a certain extent, um, and that's that's part of what clients pay for is the fact that you can do this in a way that you know other people can't. So we're coming to you. The other aspect of that is the creativity process is actually helped and streamlined when you have certain parameters, certain constraints you can place on that process. Um, if you were to give, if you were to give a, a creative person a blank sheet of paper and a box of crayons with an infinite number of colors in it, um, the first thing that artist has to do is decide, all right, which of all these colors am I going to use to do this? Now, if you give that same artist a blank sheet of paper, um, specific instructions, and then you give them five colors, that limits the choices they can make. Now they can apply their, instead of having to apply, excuse me, instead of having to apply analysis and um, discretion to first whittle down uh, the toolbox that they're going to use for this particular problem. If they can only use those five crayons, those five colors, then they can immediately start applying their creativity and say, well, what can I do to make this happen with only these five colors? Well, I can combine these five colors and you know now we've got uh, total of 25 colors if we combine them properly so you know, they can expand it that way but even then there's still a limit to their choices so filling out a creative brief and getting explicit about the scope and the aim of the project are super important for streamlining the creative process um, now, you don't want to paint them into a box strictly to you know, create an impossible challenge for them to see what they can do. That's going to be um, bring up a whole other set of problems in and of itself. But you do want to define the parameters of the sandbox that that artist um, is going to be playing, on, playing in for this specific project. And that way they can apply their creativity to executing toward the aims of the project as opposed to wasting a whole lot of time figuring out, all right, where exactly is our starting point here? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so in a nutshell, a good creative artist in a marketing scenario is going to be somebody who, A, 
um, has the tools they need to be able to apply creativity to a problem or a specific scenario on command. And the other side of that is um, that creative person needs to have constraints so that they can focus in their creativity like a laser on the specific challenge at hand. So um, if you can have those two things going into a project, then your project is likely to be much more successful, uh, much more effective, and much more cost-effective. Again, I highly recommend the work of Edward de Bono and Doug Hall. Um, You can look at uh, companies like IDEO and other sort of corporate innovation think tanks that um, apply sort of creative problem-solving methods um, to specific real-world problems on behalf of their corporate clients. Um, And then, you know, do your own digging into the psychology of creativity and uh, specifically applied creativity um, in real-world business settings. So um, I think that's where we're going to call it a day today. Um, I am trying to line up some guests for the near future. So again, it won't just be be me rambling around these random topics. But um, I do hope you get some value out of this. Uh, If not, let me know um, if there are specific things you'd like to know about, um, whether about me or the marketing process or my specific process when it comes to creativity or research or execution, um, project management, whatever it is, uh, feel free to ask and I will um, answer those in upcoming episodes. Um, What else? Um, Yeah, let me know what you'd like to hear more of. um, And uh, yeah, we'll kind of steer this thing in its own direction together. So thanks again for listening and... uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Subscribe if you, you know, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts, and uh, I'll holler at you on the next one. Thanks. Bye.